Welcome to the Bullpen Sessions. This is Patrick Lillis, and Happy New Year. I uh, hope you had a good break. Hope you took a break. Uh, welcome back. I'm glad to be back. Glad to share with you this episode's conversation with my good friend and very talented actor, Eric T. Miller. Uh, before we get to that, you know, I want to talk about the new year. Um, you know, last episode I was talking about going into it, thinking about you know, just checking in with your goals. And for me, thinking about my goals, you know, and do they, what I set out to do, you know, do I, does it still resonate with me? Is that exactly what I want to do? And, you know, I know I talked about it before that I want to direct more. And, and I think about that and thought, right, if you're going to do more of something, you have to do less of something else because all of a sudden more hours are created in the day just because I'd like to do more of something. And, it was interesting because at the end of the conversation, you'll hear Eric and I talk about, you know, knowing when to say no to a project and that it's okay. And it's, it means you're aware of, you know, where your passion lies and where your talent lies and that it'll be better if you recommend someone else or it'd be better for whoever else does the project. And it really got me thinking about as you move into the new year, I'm just going to talk about myself on this one as I move into it. If I want to direct more, I have to create space for that. And creating space for that means saying no to some things that I enjoy. You know, no, I can't see that play. Or, you know, no, I can't go to that reading. Because, you know, I... I because <laughs> I'm going to be in rehearsal directing, I hope. And it also reminded me of when Eric, you know, when we met on this project, Sweet Storm, by Scott Hudson, uh, who's a really not only a great writer, but a very talented actor and teacher. I remember us talking about what it is to be an artist and the sacrifice and that sacrifice of the simple things like maybe not going to an opening night party or leaving, going for a little bit, congratulating people and then going home because you're in rehearsal and you have to take care of yourself. And, you know, it comes with, yeah, you can't, you can't stay out all night because you need to protect your voice and you need to work on your artistry. Or in that particular play, Eric was playing a preacher and it's like, oh, well, maybe you want to watch Sunday football, but maybe for the, the work is requiring you to go to church. And it was about making choices. And I think as I start to reprioritize or as you start to prioritize your goals, again, I'm going to talk about me, as I start to reprioritize about, okay, what do you specifically want? It, you know, it means saying no to people and print projects or invitations. And the no isn't forever. It's good for me to remember just as a rejection of me is not a rejection of me. My saying no to someone else or some other project is not a rejection of that. It's a no, not right now. And it's because I need to make space for the things that are important and that do take a priority and that I'm that I'm building up uh, trying to build upon and, and keep momentum going towards something and and also it's a little bit of help because you can't keep saying yes and because there's not more hours in a day eventually you know you're not going to be healthy and uh, that's important and that is the New Year's resolution I think most of us make we're going to be healthier and one of the ways is I'm going to make space for that too so it was really, the break for me was clarifying the goal, 
and then say, okay, how do I make space for that to happen? And Eric talks a little bit about that, and I, I enjoyed it. And the project he worked on with Scott and I and another actor, Jamie Dunn, uh, Sweet Storm, which is a beautiful play and one of my favorite plays I've ever directed. And it was, it was just, it was lovely to, to catch up with Eric, but also to just remember that project and think about it and, and think about what a joy it was to work on all levels because everybody was fully, fully engaged with their artistry and doing what they loved. Um, and it was nice to tap in with him and just be checking and going like, yeah, I want to do that all the time. And, you know, you, it's almost impossible. There are things you have to do that you don't want to, do, you know, that aren't as joyful as that, that are necessary, A, to make a living, and, and B, not every project's going to be that special. But if I want to build that kind of life and that art and, and achieve the goals that excite me to the level that that particular project did, then I have to make the space for that to happen. And uh, we talked a little bit about that. I hope we talked about a lot of other things about, um, his journey as an actor. I think it's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And with that, play ball. That project was an insular project. It was a lab thing. It was going to be a workshop at the public, three performances. And so it was interesting to bring somebody in from the community that you didn't know. And then it was great that it was you. And my, I'm going to ask a question. Did you know Judy before that? No. I think I knew, I may have met her before, but I didn't know her well. No. I was like on a, I just started working with this new agency and it was one of those like, I was on a roll at the time, you know, I was like booking a lot of things. And so I was just meeting a lot of casting directors and, uh, and yeah, that was just happenstance. But with that script, that was one of those times where it was like, oh, wait, I know this guy. I know what to do with this. You know, because you don't always feel that a lot of times. You're like, Rrr. but with, with Bo, I immediately knew what Scott was trying to do or, or had a strong idea, at least. It may not have been right, but I had like a take on the thing. And I was like, okay. But yeah, I didn't know her before then. I was meeting all of you at the same time. Oh, cool. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it was funny when she brought you in. I was, I was, you know, you know this when you're auditioning, and I don't. I think you can tell actors this; they don't always believe you. You know, but it's like you're in the room like ten seconds, and you go, "Oh, I want to work with that person." You know, it's that quick, and it's rarely is it ten seconds where you're like, "I don't want to work with that person," and by the end, you're like, "Oh, I do." Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's instantaneous. And there was this thing in the room where I went, "Oh, I like that," and then I and then we tried a couple things in the room, and I thought, mm -hmm. "Oh." We speak the same language. Yeah, you wanted to play, which I always, you know, I'm always one of those actors that's like, oh, <clears throat> I'll come in with ideas, but, you know, when I'm left to my own devices, sometimes I am dead wrong <laughs> on what I have chosen to attack. And so when I just get to do it once and they're like, okay, thanks, I'm always like, no, ah, I, that may have been wrong. Like, do you have an idea? Because I'm really good at, you know, <laughs> Do you have an idea? That was my idea. <laughs> yeah, that was my idea, and it was obviously not working. So if you have an idea, I'd love to try it. Um, and so I always want direction because it'll always show that that's the collaboration is where I like to be, you know. Um, and I know not actor, all actors are like that, but I always want to just play and try new things. And so I was excited when you were like, okay, I see what you're doing. Let's try this. And I'm like, 
yeah, yeah, let's try that. You know, let's go in that direction. When, when you said, hey, do you have anything, you were joking a little bit. That was my idea. If they don't, do you ever ask in the room? Like, hey, do you want to try something else? Do you do that? Not afterwards. I had an audition recently, um, and I kind of went in, and I and again, I had a, a, I had a strong idea. Certain things leapt off the page for me, and I said... They said, do you have any questions? And, you know, that's an obligatory question whenever you go to the room. And, and you're like, no, 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 let's just go. But I said, um, I don't have a question, but I'm going to try something. If it's not right, please just give me another take. This is for a, a new TV show. And I'll kind of tone everything down, you know, because film and television, everything, you know, natural. But I'd gone a little heightened for it because I felt like this character could get away with that. Um, and I kind of said, like, but if, if it's not right, like, please give me another take and I will lose all of it and just do it supernatural. And they did let me do that. I don't think I got the part. But uh, but they did let me do that and they responded to that, which was good. That was the first time that I've ever felt confident kind of going in and being like, I'm going to do this. I acknowledge it might not be right. Um, please don't punish me for that. <laughs> I want to take a chance, you know, because I would rather do that than come in and do something vanilla and have him be like, Okay, and like not right, you were show like the yourself. Last ten guys. Yeah, exactly. It's like no, I, look, I, you know, because again, not every script speaks to you. So when something does, and I have an idea, I'm like, all right, I, I'm gonna do this, and we'll see, you know, where it lands. Um, so yeah, that was that was nice. It was nice, and they and and they didn't. They were like, that's good. We like what you did. Continue to do it, and we're gonna do another take, and blah blah blah. So. It's great. I'm going to say the it's not an obligatory question. <laughs> the reason it's not it, what, the reason it's not for me. It's very funny. I'm talking in a podcast is because I do it. I ask that question not to see if the person has any questions. I'm, I'm usually looking for a way to get them to talk so that we can interact as people. Mm. You know, trying to create some way to find out who the person is because they're going to come in. There's this pressure. They're right. going to audition. They want to show you they know how to they act. They want to do it right. And I'm yeah. like, I know. I, I know I'm going to guess that you can act because you're in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So... What's it like to talk to you so that I can find out if I want to, if we're going to play together, and then if do we want to spend five weeks together? That's the thing. I mean, that's always the thing now with like uh, even on a uh, on higher levels. Um, you know, so many times it's 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 having lunch with someone or just meeting them because if it's a film, it's a play. You're spending a lot of time with this person, and exactly what you said, and something that actors don't take enough confidence in. If you're in the room. You can act. You don't need to prove that you can act. You know, like, you've gotten into the room. Someone there thinks you can act. So do what you do. We put all this extra pressure on ourselves. But then it's also, after that, you know, are you an asshole? Like, do I want to be Do I want to be in a small town in Vermont for the next six weeks for you, shooting 12 hours a day because you're going to be the lead in this film? And there's not going to be a lot of creature comforts because it's a super indie and we're going to, you know what I mean? Like we need to make sure that we're going to be able to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's it. It's funny. That's why I asked if you knew Judy. Cause I'm like, yeah, if Judy Bowman's bringing somebody in, I trust that they're good. Cause she did her work to, to know if they're good enough to be in the room. Exactly. exactly. And then I want to find out, like you said, Oh, I know this guy. And, that play in particular was very, not to spend a lot of time on Sweet Storm, which we did a long time ago, but that play in particular, I remember we saw, you know, we saw two days of actors. We were only auditioning one part. Right. And there was... Because Jamie read on all of them, right? Jamie, Jamie was the reader the entire time. Yeah, she was cast. It was, the project was... Written for. F- written for her. Yeah, yeah. And it was a two-character place. So we're auditioning guys, and I remember it was weird, because I was like, oh, there's only one, not the stroke your ego too much but there's only one person I wanted please, to work please with please go on you know but it was and it was about chemistry it was about 
chemistry with the part and between you and myself and you and Jamie. And I thought, I didn't see one bad actor. I just didn't, I only saw one person who felt like that play, mm. you know, and that, and in that project, you know, we worked together at the public and we did the three weeks of rehearsal and three performances. And then he Was it only three weeks of rehearsal? Three, maybe three and a half. I guess I mean it's it an hour-long play, so like, it's, <laughs> but still, it seemed like it was you know months and months and months, seem, especially in thorough. hindsight. Yeah, and uh, but then I don't remember how long it was, but it was maybe eight months later to a year. Yeah, I think it was almost a year. Probably I was a year. in a cab when you called me to tell me that we were doing it again. I remember I was with my friend Jason, and I, I knew that it was like getting closer, you know, but you never kind of count on that to ever be a thing, and then. Yeah, I don't know if you texted me or you called me, or, but yeah, I was in a cab with my friend Jason, and I, I obviously freaked out because he was like, "What? What's going on? What's going on?" And I said, oh, we're doing that play again, man. We're gonna do it Theater Row for months." And yeah, I was <laughs> so excited. Um, and it's funny you say that about Jamie because with the chemistry, because I remember leaving the room the first time and being like, "Oh, I wish she was playing the part. I had good chemistry with her, but I didn't know, you know, I knew nothing of the thing, so I, of the project. So I was just like." Oh man, we had a good time. She was a good reader. I, I, she was doing it. I think we would do it well together, you know. And then to learn later that she was actually going to do it, I said, "All right, good. That worked in my favor." Then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it was all that chemistry, and I think that's the, that's the, that's the unpredictable thing. That's the thing of like, I know you're good. Are you an asshole? You know, do I? Does it feel right? Do we want to be together? And that project, and I was thinking about the play you're doing, now, like that play we were. You know, it was almost, I guess, a year and a half, two years of working on that play. And you do. You want to be with a team of people that are great. And like the play you're on, and it's funny because you're going to ask you about that. How long ago did you, the play that's running now, you started on? The first reading that I ever did of it was seven years ago, maybe. Seven, six years ago. And then we did a workshop on Governor's Island for like a two or three day period as a part of this festival where audience could come in and like see where we were at in the process and um and then yeah I mean there were countless kind of they were never like backers readings they were never like producers readings it was always for the play it was always for James the playwright Christopher the director um you know I think there were some backers coming in and out occasionally but there was never that like big you know okay everybody this is where we get all of our money and have this bit you know there was never that um and so, yeah, we would just kind of, and, and, and there were constantly, the cast was constantly revolving, um, except for P.J. Sosko, myself, and Julia, who plays the wife of the, in, the, in the modern day story. Um, and everyone else kind of came in and out. And, and sometimes we couldn't do it. P.J. always did it. Sometimes I couldn't do it. And to be honest with you, it was starting to get to the point where, sorry, am I like jumping No, that's exactly why here? I asked. No, you're not jumping but it got to the point where the last, the workshop before the production. Yeah, I didn't do it, you know. I, and not because I didn't want to, but I have a 10-month-old child. Uh, it's my first, my daughter. Um, and, you know, it's changed things a little bit. And so when Christopher called about the workshop, I think she was four months old. And we were still trying to figure everything out, my wife and I. And I was just like, I, dude, I can't. I can't, you know, I have to value my time at a, at a certain level, at least for right now, until the dust settles and we're trying to figure out how we're going to do this. So I, I was just like, you know, and I also, I'm at the point after seven years where I don't want to do another workshop. Of, are we doing the thing or are we not, you know? Um, so then when it went full up, I 
immediately called the director and was like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh, you know, I'd still love to do that. And he said, well, I thought you weren't, you know, the workshop. And I said, well, that was the workshop. If you're doing it, then let's let's do the damn thing. Um, and I, I think it's important to know I'm, I'm, that you called because it's, you didn't have an agent call. You didn't do whatever you took. Oh, no. The, you, well, no, I did. I had an agent call okay. me. and said, My agent called me and said, can you play the piano? And I said, yeah. And they said, okay, I'm going to send you an audition. And then I got the audition, and it was for a loft modulation. And I said, hang on. And then you <laughs> And called. then I called the director and said, hey, what's going on? And he was like, I didn't think you wanted to do it. And I said, well, if we're going full up, then I definitely want to do it. And he said, can you play piano? And I said, yeah, I play piano. <laughs> And uh, what if we give you lessons? Yeah, sure. And so then I was able to call my agents back and be like, we're all good. You'll get an offer in tomorrow. You know, that was one of the few times that I've been able to uh, kind of play that card with my agents and be like, yeah, there you go. Good. So that's the part <laughs> I'm going back to. You heard about the product because yeah. they didn't text you in a cab like I did. No, 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 you know, no. But you heard about it through your agent and then you called. And I think it's, 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 it's good to know because you did have the relationship with the play, I feel like. You should ask. Yeah. I mean, there was just no way, especially after seven years. And I love that character. And I love that play. And there was just no way I was going to let it go without at least getting in the room, you know. Um, yeah. And if they decided to go somewhere else or they felt it was a different energy or the person, you know, you run that risk when you give up a workshop or a reading, you know. Um, that next person that comes in might because that's what I'm always trying to do somebody calls me because so and so couldn't do it I'm like I am going to get my claws in this play so that you can never hear this character again without my voice that is my job so it's always an opportunity so you know the guy that came in after me could have crushed it and just been like no dude we found someone else we're, and good. we're good yeah exactly and you that's the risk that you run when you don't take it but um, luckily uh, that hadn't happened and, 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 and we were able to make it happen and I think it, it... I just think it's great that you called also because I, 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 so funny how many younger early career artists will, they might email or text me and ask me, hey, so and so's doing something and I did that reading. Do you think I should ask them if I should? I'm like, yes, you know yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> and you read the play. Yeah. Like they didn't get that production without that reading not that it, not it's not direct cause and effect but direct maturation and that's the, the part you you invested in them we have uh as actors myself included we have given away we're so timid now we're so timid we're so scared and of course what's the worst that's going to happen if you write or call that director they're not going to be like how dare you christopher was not going to say how dare you call me after refusing to do the workshop you know he would never do that he would say uh, you know, we're going a different part, but thank you for all your help, blah, blah, blah. I'll think of you for the next thing or whatever. It's not going to blacklist you for the rest of your career, so you might as well do it. But we're so scared. We've, we, we, we fear that we're going to step on the wrong toes or make somebody mad. And I don't know where that came from, but we are. And we don't just look at it like humans. To your point earlier about meeting someone and do we want to hang out. In the same way, if it was any other business, if you were a plumber and, like, you had worked with that guy before and now he's got a big plumbing job you're gonna call him and be like hey do you need another plumber because i can come help you out on that building that huge skyscraper you know um you're not gonna think twice about it but in acting it's like Ooh, i don't want to i don't want to upset the the boat and it's like what boat what are what you talking boat? about just try it's a human being they know you you read the play already they have an idea of what you do again the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to say no and guess what as an actor you hear no 
all the time. <laughs> so get used to it. Uh, you do hear it all the time. I have a thinking back to like knowing that you were on a streak when we met. Uh, I say streak. It was like two projects. <laughs> well, it was a streak at the time, yeah, yeah. right? One of the best ones I've ever been on in my career, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> back to back. <laughs> and then you came in, you know, you had three in a row. I know. Yeah. Then I came in and, yeah, think of the public, met everyone at Labyrinth. Yeah, I'd say that was a pretty good little little run there. Uh, my question is, what do you think helped you take the next step in your career? When, you know, we talk about the giving away power, I was thinking, what what... What event, what person, what was it? And you can define yourself what the next step is. Hmm. Just at any point in your career, it could be where you're at today or something that gave you a sense of stability. It's funny because when I read that question in the email, I was like, I'm still not sure that I could do this as a career. Uh, You know, I mean, I am. Like, we're making it work. Um, I mean... That's why I like to say any step because I think, like... I think there's no guarantee you're going to have a career, and there's there's always that fear of, like, the job ends, I might not have another job, all that stuff. But sure. it could be as simple as I turned equity, or I got an agent, or I got in that room because of this person. You know? I, I To be honest with you, the Labyrinth thing was a big step for me. And because the Labyrinth Theater Company was a company that I idolized, you know. I mean, they uh, are just the cream of the crop as far as I'm concerned in New York theater. And so... When that happened and the workshop was a success and, you know, um, that went a long way in terms of me being like, okay, m- people that I respect and, and, and peers of mine that I think are far above my league are telling me that I did a good job and that I deserve to be here. And you shouldn't look for validation through others, but it, it just happens. It just is how this business and any business works. Um, and so that was a big step. That was kind of the like, okay, I can hang out with some of the big boys and not feel overwhelmed. Um, and then the same, that, it just slowly happened on like film sets and things where I started to, again, stop giving the power away and started to look around and be like, I can do this. I am, I am hanging with this person right now in the scene and I, I, and I have something to give to them and they have something to give to me and I... I belong here, you know, which is a cliche, but it is that thing when you're coming from a place of no confidence or very little, you know, because you're kind of, when I came to New York, I was just a little like, ah, I'm not sure, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to fit myself into these ideas that other people have as opposed to whoever I am. And uh, so it, slowly it was like, oh, wait, nope, I deserve to be here. I can do this. I can do this. Uh, I belong. And, yeah, the labyrinth went a long way in that. To be honest, like, voiceovers went a long way with that for me. I want to um, ask about that, but, but I'm going to come back to voiceover. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that thing about the lab and I belong, because it was interesting, because it's not, uh, you know, as we did this run we did, it was a workshop of a play, and it was three performances. The play, the life of that play lasted 25 hours, because two performances on one day and yeah. one on the other. Yeah. But getting that feedback from people that you respect it, it's an internal thing that you got to own, I belong. And I think that's what you're talking about when you say it, it carried you. You know, yeah, you don't want the, you don't want, you don't, you shouldn't need the external validation, but there is something. You've got to carry that with you because guess what? The, the ennui is going to come crashing down in two months when you're like, I haven't worked and I haven't booked anything and, ah, la, 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 and I'm terrible. You need to have that protected 
I belong, that, that memory of sitting in the, in, the, in the lobby of the public and having Liza come up to you and say, you knocked that out of the park. You need to carry that light with you because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be your strength later on when you're questioning literally everything that you've ever done. Um, and it's those things... It's those things that you have to hold on to in order to kind of keep going. And you, and, you have to, and you have to enjoy those moments when they come. And you have to let them in because the other side of the coin will come. And you're going to need that. You're going to need that warmth and that light to kind of keep the darkness away, you know. And I f- yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, that validation is so important because it is to remember that. And that thing when you were saying I'm on set with people and I'm giving them something and they're giving me something, it's not only the hanging out on the break and the good work and the validation, but inside the work knowing like, oh, right. Yeah. I was brought here for a reason. I have a job to do and I am here and I'm going to do that job, you know, but the first couple of times I was terrified. I mean, I remember I was on this, this show Kings on NBC and it was my first recurring thing. And I was the brother of the, of the lead. And we'd done like one little episode on our farmhouse. Becky Ann Baker was our mom. And um, we had this like dinner scene. And then they brought me back a couple weeks later for this courtroom scene, and I'll never forget it. My brother was sentenced to death, um, and we're in the we're in the in the you know spectators area, and we they announce that he's going to be killed, and the director says to me, he's like, and then when your brother comes down, um, you know, just grab him, go ahead and grab him, and like look at him. But that wasn't in the script, and I didn't know film and television enough, and I was like, okay, and I I literally like kind of just lightly like grabbed his shirt as he walked by because I didn't want to upset where the camera was and I just felt so out of place. And I did that once and we finished the scene and the director said cut and he came over and he looked at me with this really confused look on his face. And then he just shrugged his shoulders and he said, okay, moving on. And we went to the next scene. And I realized that he looked at me like that because he was like, I, did I not tell you to grab him? But I didn't know what that meant. You know, if we'd done that on a, on a stage, in a play, I would have had the, the confidence to just go grab that person and make it new. But I didn't because it wasn't in the script and I hadn't worked on film television. I was so scared to do that thing. And now I look back on it and I'm like, no, because in film and television, the thing doesn't exist until you make it. So, like, if in this take you're going to grab the guy by the shoulders and stare at him and make him, then make the damn moment. And then at least you have it. And if the director wants to use it later, he can. And if he doesn't, he won't. But at least now you have it. But I was just so timid to take that chance. And it was a real missed opportunity, you know. And it was something that I learned from. And now I totally understand what that was. But, uh, you know, at the time I just I just was – I didn't feel like I belonged. I was trying not to mess up. I was trying not to get in the way. And it's, it's funny because it's impossible – I think challenging. I know I can say impossible to carry with you from like – Oh, I'm doing a black box theater. I'm doing commercial theater. I'm on my first television set to to not re- to carry with you like I'm an actor in all of those settings. One isn't different than the other. There's exactly. different. Sure, there's different tools, technique. You know, there's a yeah. camera and there's not. The an rules are a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that guy asked you to act. Yeah. You know how to act. Yeah. But I didn't think I did because it was a television show. I don't know how to act. And I was a theater actor. And I said, oh, I don't know, you know. But the, I mean, yeah, and then the, you realize over time, wait, it's the same playing field. It's just, okay, the dimensions are a little different, but the rules are the same. The game is the same. Go play the game, you know. And, and 
they'll figure it out. They'll tell you when you're playing it wrong or if so, but at least take the chance and like be confident in it. Yeah. And I think just like the audition story you said of like, hey, I'm going to try this, mm-hmm. you know, go try it, try, try it. Yeah. You might as well. That's Cranston. Brian Cranston said, I read this wonderful interview with him when uh, uh, Breaking Bad was ending and he talked about when he turned 40, he stopped trying to be what he thought they wanted him to be. When he went into the room, he stopped reading scripts and being like, oh, so this is a banker, so I need to be a little buttoned up. No. You, as a banker, go in and be your banker self. Um, And he started to do that, and he stopped trying to be what they wanted him to be, and he started coming in and saying, this is what I have to offer to this project. This is how I see it. If you don't like it, cool. No no skin off my back. You know, like, just, that's fine. Um, Good luck with the project. But this is what I have. If you want to play with it, let's play. If not, let's not. Right, get somebody else. Exactly. Let and that way, I'm not going to, you're not, again, I'm not getting validation from you in that way. Because maybe my, maybe this is wrong. But be willing to be wrong. Be brave enough to be wrong. Um, because that's you. And when you're trying to go in and fit into what you think they want you to be, then you're just vanilla. Then you're nothing. You're just, a, you're a, a right, hodgepodge anybody, of different ideas. Right, anybody can do the literal read. Yeah. You know, and you don't have a perspective. You don't. You know, you're just and it's it's nothing. And that's never going to get you the part. You're going to get the part because of what you bring to it. The special, unique quality that you bring to it is why you're going to get that thing. I want to. Yeah, I wanted to ask when you said voiceover brought confidence to you. How'd that start for you? A lot of um, a lot of casting directors being like, "Have you ever thought about voiceover?" Which was so alien to me because I was like, "I don't even know what that means." You know. <laughs> Um, but I did kind of cheat too. My uh, girlfriend at the time was working in voiceover casting, and um, so I did my demo. I was working at a restaurant at the time, and I, I found a guy, and uh, he said, "You know, we'll do a couple private lessons. We can either do weekly classes with a whole group, or we can do a couple private lessons, and we'll pick out copy, and then I'll make the demo for you." It was going to be like a thousand bucks, like all told. And uh, so I was working at a restaurant. I worked a few doubles, saved up the money. Got the demo, and then I say I cheated because then my my girlfriend at the time who was working in casting sent my demo to a lot of agencies, not saying this is my boyfriend, but saying, here's a guy that we really like, and he's not represented right now. So, of course, all these agencies were like, oh, right this way, Mr. Miller, please come in. Um, And so I signed with Paradigm Agency doing that, and and immediately there was some, uh, it was received, you know, immediately I started working. And... um, and so then suddenly, after a year, I was able to quit the restaurant, you know. It's a silly question. I actually, do you, do you audition for voiceover? Yeah, you go a lot in, of the time. you go in somewhere yep. or do you send it in? Both. Um, now it's more do it from home and send it in. Um, but that's just kind of the business. You know, just like uh, film auditions are a lot of self-tapes. Yeah. You know, they're trying to cut out the middleman a little bit. Um, and so a lot of it is from home. But there's a lot of casting directors in the city that, yeah, you just go in, you know, regular old, do the sign-in, grab the copy. Oh, what am I selling? I'm selling McDonald's, all right? Let's sell some McDonald's, you know? <laughs> Go in and read it. And it's, and it's you know, the turnaround's really quick. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to back up. Did you ask your girlfriend if she would push your tape? Or no, it was she, her idea. Her idea. It was her idea, yeah. Uh, she was a very, always very proactive with my career. So it was, it was her idea, and, it was, and she, um, yeah, it was, it was immensely helpful. I can't, I cannot undersell how helpful that was of what she did. And, and, you know, but I say that that helped me because suddenly, you know, I didn't need to work at the restaurant as much. 
Um, and that's a big thing because especially with young actors, you get to New York and you get this job at a restaurant and now you're working until midnight. And then you want to go out for a drink afterwards with your other co-workers. And now you're out until 2.30 in the morning. And then you're not getting home until 4 because you live in Queens and you work in Manhattan. And then you're not waking up until 1 p.m. And then you didn't go to that EPA at Equity because you got up too late. And now you're just going back to the restaurant. And then it's just this vicious cycle. And you don't have time to do the thing that you're here to do because you need to make money to pay your rent. So once I kind of got... I was able to not do that as much, which is what voiceovers allotted me, um, was some freedom to, then I could focus on workshops and readings. I was much more open to doing, you know, just paying Yeah, sure. Because again, early, I mean, get in the door work. Yeah, and that's what I, I mean, that's always been my thing. It's like, get me in the door. And like I said earlier, I'm going to get my claws in this project. So I, sometimes I need to get in on the ground floor. Uh, but that's what, commercial and voiceover and even film and television um, after a while once that started picking up guest stars and things you know that allows you more time because it's more money and so therefore you can then do other stuff because I don't I don't have to go to the restaurant as much as I as I did you know I'm not working five days a week I'm working maybe two days a week um, and I still bartend on Saturdays you know um, I had a few years where I didn't but then when my wife and I got pregnant I said I, I can't do what I call mailbox roulette, you know, waiting for the residual check or whatever that might come, you know, um, which is always welcome, but you never know when it's going to come. And I just can't do that. Not with a child, you know. And just need some consistency. A place where I can go and leave with cold, hard cash. And if need be, I can work. I can pick up three extra shifts that week. And, you know, and plus I like, uh, I work on Saturday afternoons from 12 to 9, you know, and I like being a bartender. I like uh, my regulars and, and, uh, yeah, it gets me out of the house, you know, which is a good thing. Yeah, there's also something about consistency and having somewhere to go yeah. that gets you out of the, that gives you a cycle of productivity. Exactly, actually. and feel useful as opposed to yeah, again the crushing on we that will happen. I'm like right, because you put two weeks in a row of nobody needing you anywhere. Yeah, and you start to think that's reality, mm-hmm. and you know, and you have to create it. Um. After doing the voices and getting th- that sense of stability under you, what do you what do you think today? What do you think you carry in the room with you? What when you talk about getting your claws into something, and and I say the room, I don't mean just the audition room, or or maybe it's the rehearsal room, maybe it's the set, or it's the voiceover. But what do you carry with you when you think about entering in an environment as an artist that you didn't carry with you thirteen years ago? Uh, years ago? That's a good question. I carry. I try to carry anyway, um, an openness now. I was, I, was, I was rather standoffish when I was young. Um, I'm, I'm very, uh, I was always very concerned about looking cool and being cool. And so I would kind of like hang back, you know, and people would t- take it as snotty, but it wasn't that. I just, if I didn't know you, my default was to like, I don't need you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang back because I got, I got other stuff going on. I don't, I don't need this. I don't want you to think that I need this. And that's just an obstacle. That's dumb, you know. And when you're talking about what we do, again, a collaboration, um, I go in a lot more open than I was. And open just in terms of what are we working? What is the point of this room right now? Whether it's the set, okay, what story are we telling? Oh, I'm open to that feedback. Like, how do you want to do this? How are we going to... Are you asking people these questions? 
No, I'm just feeling it. Yeah, I, and and if I can feel that the director wants to take the the reins and lead us, great. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna do that until I have something that I either disagree or agree with or whatever. Um, but uh, if that's what's gonna happen, then we'll do that. If uh, if the writer is going to take the reins, but if not, then like I'll take the reins. You know, I, it's like, what are we doing here? What is the point of this thing? Um, I want to, I want to help make this thing. I want to help collaborate and make this thing what it wants to be. Um, yeah. And that's the open because I, it was interesting when you were saying that. I was like, yeah, I think I was. When you say closed off, I didn't know. I, I didn't know that I was shy. I thought I was. I was self-protective in some way in those rooms early on. And I'd yeah. get, get in and I'd be like, oh, I don't, you know, I must, I was thinking just going to a reading and not, that I wasn't working on and not going up and talking to people because I was like, well, I don't know what to say. And I don't, what am I going to say? Please hire me. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, or if I was assistant directing, which is a lot of when you're directing early in your career, you sure. assist to, and I'm like, and there's these great actors and you're like, do I go up and talk to them? I feel, and I was, I was, but it wasn't like I didn't know what to do, but I also was an interesting person. Mm -hmm. And they were certainly interesting people, but I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And so it's funny when you said that, I went, oh, that resonated as true. I remember those feelings early on. And when you said open to it, I go, right, I like to know what my role is. I like to know what the room is. But I'm also thinking, just being better also at, sharing myself yeah talking to people yeah because ultimately back to the audition are you an asshole it's like you you want people to know who you are yeah you know cause, yeah because it's yeah it's not gonna again if you're not doing that then what are you doing you know like you're there to do a job you've been brought in because someone thinks that you are valuable enough to be in this room so be open to whatever that thing is, you know, don't judge it. Don't just go in and, and, and see what it is. And you may decide later you don't like it and you don't want to be a part of it. And then the next time they call, you're like, no, nah, I'm good. But that first time, man, just go in and see what it is. And um, because it might be something amazing. You know, that's the other thing is that like you never know where that next project is going to come th from, you know, and it might be that and you might as well go in and see because you're going to be real mad at yourself later if you didn't go to that reading and then it became you know <laughs> hamilton you know and you're like don't <laughs> oh i wanted to watch the red sox that night damn it you know <laughs> why didn't i do the hip-hop mm -hmm. secretary of treasury yeah damn. exactly uh and that goes for casting too it's something that phil hoffman used to say don't play casting director don't don't it's not your job to play casting director because I've gotten parts before, and I'm not right for this. I can't get this musical. I don't sing. Somebody thinks you do. So go and do it and let them decide that you're not right for it. Right. But don't you cut your legs out from under you by saying, like, oh, no, that's not for me. That, why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. But I do that. I still do it all the time. And it's usually because I don't want to, you know, I had an audition last year for a Broadway musical, and I'm not a singer. And I got it the day before, and it was 11 pages of copy and a song that I had to learn, and I was really busy, and my wife was seven months pregnant, and I was, oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then by the end of the, you know, I finally was like, you're being dumb. And I thought of Phil Hoffman saying, you know, don't be a casting director. Just, just go do it. And... I got really damn close on that thing. <laughs>
And uh, and Matt casting directors that have since put me in other things. And had I knock on in that day, that would not have happened. So do not I, play casting director. It's funny. Not play casting director. I think of it as like I, I, it took me forever, it feels like, to learn the lesson of like, don't turn down a job that hasn't been offered to you. Yeah. Like, you can turn it down. If you don't want to do a musical, whatever, fine. But, 100%. But get the job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that later they're like, oh, that's the person I wanted that person before. and Exactly. It's know. never going to hurt you to go into the room. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Working is never going to hurt you. It's just, it's just not. I can't tell you how many times I've done some play that nobody saw and it was panned by critics and it was in a closet downtown. And then two years later, I walk into a room for something big and someone is at the table and they go, hey, man, I saw you in this play in this closet. And I said, oh, my God, you saw that? And they said, yeah, man, you were great. And now I've got an ally in the room. And I didn't know that. And I wouldn't have known that. But someone is always watching. And someone is, you'll, 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 when you least expect it, someone's always watching. I mean, can I tell a little, a little story? So I, agency, um, agents have been uh, my kryptonite for most of my career. Uh, I've just had a hard time. I'm a, I'm a hard market when I was younger, especially, you know, they were like, you can't play a college kid. You got to get older. You got to get older. You got to get older. Okay. And then finally, when I did um, Mope at EST, uh, Ensemble Studio Theater, this was last year, and I we'd done a workshop of it for three days, and then it went full up to be a full run, and I knew that was happening, so I was planning my attack. I'd left my old agents, and I was going to have all these agencies come and see this play, and I was going to get my next agent from this. So I organized all these meetings that, with the help of casting directors, Brett Goldstein, and all these people really helped me out. I'm stopping you. Yeah. How did you do that? Did you ask, you told the casting directors who like you and bring you in often? I'm looking. Brett uh, went above and beyond and was like, "You don't have an agent. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm going to help you get an agent." And she had seen Mope in the workshop. first in the workshop in the first iteration, and so she was like, "When that goes up, we're going to find you an agent." And I said, "That is so nice of you," and so she did, and we organized all these people to come. And um, <laughs> I keep stopping you because I'm like, "How'd you organize it? What's that mean? Like that you and that." Casting director. And my manager. And your manager. And my manager, okay. yes. So, so any, they looked, we looked at all the different agencies and what connections we had with certain people. Because I have connections with certain agents that I've met over the years. And, you know, can we do this one, this one, this one. So we bring a bunch of people in. Now, I know every night who's coming when because I've organized this. Not a single one of those agents wanted to sign me. I am despondent by the, like, we've got two weeks left of the run and I'm just like, I, this is a failure. And I'm, I'm never going to have an agent, and this is all blown up in my face. I get a call from my manager that uh, Tim Stone at Stone Manors has, he goes and sees a random piece of theater once a week, and that he had come and seen the show on Saturday night, and that he wants to bring me into the office. I did not know he was there that night. I... And I don't know what that, I mean, to me, that means that I was putting this pressure on myself. I was doing this extra when I knew that people were there that could change my path. I was putting something on and it was not being responded to. And when I didn't know that the person was there, I did work that resulted in me having my now agents who were the best agents I've ever had. And I'm on the best kind of career trajectory that I've ever been on. And and I just think there's something in that. I'm going to do a little therapy. But, Please. Um, 
I'm not sure that's what I think. What I've found to be true is you if you put all if you put energy out to get an agent or a job, what I find is you can put all the energy out to the left and then a job or an opportunity will come from the right. Mm. And it has I don't think it has to because you're because you're actively trying, it's like the, it comes. I can't explain why the job comes, but the job doesn't come when I don't try to get a job. You know, that's true. It's like it comes because you're putting out the energy to that's get true. it, and I think it happens. And I, not to be esoteric on it, but I do think that's a little bit like I don't know if you knew that Tim Stone, if you had invited him, if you had a contact of that, but that person chose that play, not because of your marketing or mm-hmm. whatever, and he didn't respond back to the manager to say I'm doing it. Just came. Yeah, and. Uh, and I think it's because you're putting out the effort. I don't think because your performance was bad. That's true. That's true. I had a professor in college who was always like, what you think is your best performance and what you think is your worst performance is a difference of like 3% to yeah. someone who's never seen the show and never been in rehearsals and does not know what's going on. You know. And you're absolutely right. And, and I am a firm believer that, too, whenever I feel stuck, um, you know, I always just go start seeing plays, go start seeing readings, go start uh, writing something, go just just put energy out there yeah, because energy. in some capacity that energy will come back. Um, and it may not be the way that you think it's going to or the way that you want it to, but it'll probably be the way that you need it to. Um, yeah, and I am, I, not to, again, not, I don't want to get esoteric either, but I, I am a firm believer in that. I think the universe will respond with energy when you put it out there. I had a mute. When you want to go singing, I had a music director on a musical I was working on, and his phrase always was, energy, fl- energy goes where energy flows. Mm. And I thought it was, it was great. That's a nice way of putting that, yeah. And I think it's, I think it's true. Um, how do you get your manager? A casting director friend. A very good friend of mine. My manager is the first person that I ever had that I signed with. She had just left. She was working for a bigger management company, and she was going out on her own, and she was looking for new clients. And um, Jessica Kelly, uh, a friend of mine and a casting director, um, said, hey, I I think you would be a good fit with Robin. And so we we met in a Starbucks. And she was like, yeah, let's let's do it. And, you know, at the time, I was just like, great. (laughs) Someone wants to work with me and, like, put me out there. Uh, And she's been with me ever since. Um, Yeah, and she's so, yeah, it's usually casting directors. Casting directors have been very, very good to me. Um, like I said, agents not so much, but casting director. How did you meet the first casting director? How did that happen? I understand why, because having met you in, we met in an audition. Right. So, like, it's obviously a good impression, and you, you you're a good actor, and you're a good person in the room. So the casting directors probably have a good relationship. I with went you. to, I mean, I went to Syracuse with Jess Kelly. That's with Jessica Kelly. That's how. Um, she was an actor who became a casting director, and, and she was just always really good to me and would bring me in on film auditions when she used to work at, uh, at um, oh, she has her own business now, um, Christy Street Casting, and she used to bring me in all the time. And, uh, you know, so the casting directors, di- agencies go where casting directors go, right? So, like, that's why when I said before with my girlfriend at the time, a casting director telling an agent, right, we that's... like this person. The agents are always trying to impress the casting director. So if they're saying, we like this person, then the agents are going to be like, oh, great. Well, we like him too, and we're going <laughs> to sign him. You know? um, so that is a bit of a shortcut. If you find casting directors that like you, um, that's really – because they're the ones that – they're the, they're the, the gatekeepers, you know, as it were. Um, agents help, and agents have relationships with casting directors and will get you into meetings with them. But casting directors are the ones that can – get you to the director, which is the ultimate uh, 
Right, that's the goal, get in the room. Yeah, exactly, that's all. And uh, which I think is great that it starts at a college friend relationship. You know, it's funny. It, I think it's all relationship. You know, it's a college. It's my girlfriend. It's and I think that's the way it starts. Yeah. Is who do you know? Unless and, you're like, and this is not. But you know, there's other people that it works differently. If you're absolutely stunningly good looking, you know, that's going to be different. Like, uh, let's be honest, that's a different path. You know, but if you're a character actor or you're, you know, then, yeah, it's going to be relationships. It's going to be people helping you out. It's going to, yeah, but I, and also doing the work. Like, it's funny because I was, when you said it, I thought, oh, you put putting out that energy of we made a strategy, my manager, this casting director, myself, we did this thing. I think about, uh, you know, the amount of work you've done since we met. And it's like, that doesn't happen by accident. You know, there's also an effort to it. So there, I don't want to say, yes, it's it's easier. There's a, I don't know if it's easier. I was going to say, yes, you can you can look a certain way that's going to be easier to market. Yes, I guess that's know? all I'm saying is that like it is, it's a case-by-case thing and getting in the door, I should say, is for some people going to be one way and for others it's going to take a little extra effort to get in that door. But at the same time, once you're in that door, all that matters is working. Right. And, and and continuing to work and getting better and honing your craft, um, that should never be taken for granted. That should ne- that should always be the case, as far as I'm concerned. Because what I you know for me like one of the things that I love the most about acting and theater and film and everything is you're never gonna get it right. You know, like you're never gonna you're never gonna understand another human being 100. percent You don't even understand yourself 100. percent So you're never gonna get it right. So you're always digging. You're always gonna keep digging, and that's one of the most enticing things to me about what we do is that like you get to try again you know tonight I get to do a loft modulation again tonight and I get to give it another whirl and I'll maybe throw something in tonight that I found a couple days ago that was like oh that's interesting that helps tell the story that makes that clearer let's try this tonight and it you know you're just constantly constantly honing it and I love that I just love it yeah and you the play you're in right now your team of actors is really it's they're really in tune with each other. I mean, it's a play about jazz, but you really are in tune with each other. To, I told you this. It was the first play I've seen in a long time where I felt no performance had an awareness of the audience and not in a selfish private we're not sharing. It was just intimate. That and... makes me so happy that you felt that way. I mean, I told everybody after you said that, too. I was like, guys, this is the... And some of my friends were like, is that a good thing? And I said, yeah, yeah no, Patrick means it is, is a very, very good thing. Um yeah, there was no presentation about it. There was nothing, and uh, and you could tell that you were in a you you like a jazz band, but not it's not just a band that's up there. It's but everybody was playing off something. So when you said, "Oh, I found something a couple of days ago. I'm going to try throwing this," and people are going to be energized by oh, it, yeah. throw back. Oh yeah, and and uh, you could feel that. Good, good. You could feel that. Yeah, there is a freedom with this play that sometimes I don't always feel. Um, you know, there's some actors that don't work that way, and you need to be careful. And but with this one, yeah, I mean, the director from day one was like, "Look, if we fail, we're gonna fail big." And I ask that you go there with me, and I ask that we that we really just put our all into it. And so, yeah, as a result, I mean, I could do anything on that stage, and people will be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, okay, this is what we're doing. Let's go," you know. And that is incredibly freeing and, and yeah. wonderful. And d- and I know the play will be closed by the time that people are listening to this, but it is interesting because it takes place in a loft. And it's when you said I could do anything, it's like, yeah, because that's what's happening in this loft. Yeah. And uh, you really captured that. Um, 
any advice that you would have for an early career person starting? Anything that jumps out at you? Yeah, actually, there's two things. Um, f- one, find your community. Um, and it, and I don't mean that um, in any way other than find the work that excites you and actively seek those people out. If there's a director that you like, find out when they're directing a piece at New York Theater Workshop on those afternoon reading series that they do and go see that reading series. Because you're not going to go to opening night of a Broadway play and be able to talk to Alex Timbers. That's not going to happen. But... If you find out, and Alex may be a bad example because he's a bit bigger than, but like if you find out that they're then doing a reading at the Rattlestick on a Tuesday night of a labor of love piece that they've been, then go to that because there's going to be like 25 people there and you can probably have a conversation with Alex afterwards at the bar. And I'm not saying like, I want you to put me in in your stuff, but just be around, be there, be part of the community, have a thought about what you've seen, you know, like... But find that. If there's a playwright that excites you, find out what they're doing. Find out what writing groups they go through. If you want to go to, you know, it used to be the Naked Angels Tuesdays. Like, those kinds of things that are open to the public. If, if there are artists there that are working that you want to work with, go be with them. And introduce yourself. Don't be shy about that. Um, don't be shy about saying what you want. Not, again, not I want you to put me in your next musical, but, you know, uh, this is what I do, and I would love to, like, help out in any way that I can. If you need somebody to read stage directions the next time you do a reading, like, I'll read stage directions. You know, that's fine. Get in the room with people that you respect and that you want to be around. And uh, and find your community just of friends and, and people that you can work with and that you can try stuff with that you trust that will come see your plays. And you can say, I really, like you, I mean, when you come see my plays, I value your opinion more than most others because I know that you know what I do. I know that you know my tricks. I know that you know when I'm BSing and you'll tell me. And I need that. You need a group of people that you really, really trust and that you, you, you value their opinion. Right. It was two communities. It's that community of people you aspire to work with. Yes. And then that community of peers that you respect. Yes. And, uh, and I thought of a couple of things. One is, but when you said talk, I thought, right, find something to, a reason to talk, or something to talk about and have an idea about the work. And I was, when I first started hanging around Labyrinth, the thing that they said was, you know, always happy to talk about the work. You know, it would eventually you'd talk about baseball and different of course, things, you know, of and whatever. But you were talking about the work because if you could do that in a sincere, in an honest way. And a constructive way. And, yeah, and and truthful, not trying to be all-knowing or whatever, but something that's personal, resonated with you, what you've been thinking about, what you're wrestling with, people would be engaged. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I thought that was great. The other thing about the community, I was thinking... Your example about getting the agent and strategizing, who do I know, what do I know, it's like, yeah, that comes from a community of contacts from everyone you've met. And like, okay, they're the, not only are they going to, not only are you going to find a way to get in the room with them, but they're going to help you get in other rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, someone's always watching and someone's always going to, it comes when you least expect it from an, from a direction you did not see it coming in, but it'll, it'll help you. And the other thing that I wanted to say just... Uh, was something that Raul said that I've been trying to put my finger on, and, and he put it very succinctly. And if you if you haven't listened to Raul's uh, bullpen session, bu- yeah, bullpen session, please do because it's it's fantastic. And um, 
you know, he said when he knows what the part is, he's a really good actor. When he when he doesn't when he doesn't connect with the part, he's the worst actor in the world, right? <laughs> and I think for me what that boiled down to was not everything is going to speak to you as a performer. You're going to read scripts that you do not get and it doesn't leap off the page. That's okay. But you have to be willing to admit that. And I read scripts sometimes and I say, I don't know what this is and I don't know how to attack this. You know who might? My friend Will Rogers. You know who might? My friend Jersey Gwazdowski. Other actors. Oh, you know, you should contact this person actually because I think they would be more your thing. Because on the flip side, there's going to be scripts that you read, like Sweet Storm, like Mope, where you immediately say, this is mine. And no one can do this but me. And that is really exciting. And that's when you know you're in the right direction. But when you don't have that, you don't have to force a square peg into a round hole. Sometimes it's just not going to work. And then maybe you'll see the production and be like, oh, this happened to me with um, Porto. You know the play Porto, the Kate Benson play? I did a workshop of that with Lee and Kate, and I loved the script so much, but it was completely, I did not know what was going on. I did not know how to attack it. I didn't know what my role was. I dutifully did my job, but I could tell that everyone was kind of like, <laughs> and then I saw it when it went full up, and I was like, oh my, it was incredible. And I said to Kate afterwards, I was like, I didn't get what it was, and now I see it, and it was just perfect. And I, under, and I didn't fit in that world. I might now because I know what that is and I have a better map of how to attack it. But it's okay if you don't know what it is. It's okay to admit that. I give you permission to admit that to yourself and to pass it along to someone that you think might be more valuable for that project. Because there are going to be projects that you just absolutely understand 100% from the get-go. And you're so gung-ho to do it. And, and those are the ones that you want. And those are the ones that you... Uh, that will further your career in the way that you want them to. So don't be afraid to admit, like, I, I, this isn't me. for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not who you want for this. It's okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad actor. It means you're a smart actor who's starting to really understand what it is that you do, what you bring to the table, and how you're best used. Amazing. <laughs> that was great, man. I was going to, yeah, it's great. Yeah? Yeah. How, how long did it take you to learn that? What? That you could say, that's not for me. I mean, it's still, like, when I heard Raul, I listened to, when you asked me to do this, I listened to Raul's, and it was so literally last week, I was like, oh, he's putting a thought to something that I have slowly been realizing, and it just crystallized for me. Because early um, on, you want to do everything. Oh, you have to. I mean, and, and look, you, you have to, and you're going to be wrong, but I, but what you don't want to do is let that sink you. You know, like, I would try to do everything because, yeah, I mean, that's the thing when you come into college. You're like, I can do any part anywhere. I can play anything, you know. And that's true. But you have to know what you do well. And I would let that devalue myself when I would do something like that. And then I could feel that it wasn't right. I'm like, oh, no, it's because it wasn't right for me. I just wasn't right for that project, you know. And, I again, I dutifully did what I wanted to do, and but it just wasn't right. Um, so it's, I mean, it's taken me 16 years to learn that in this business right. and to learn that that's okay and not apologize for it. Right. That it's okay. You don't, yeah. I think it doesn't mean you're a bad actor. Yeah. That's all. It just means it's not, you know, that you don't get this. It's words on a page. It takes a village to lift this thing up to what it is. And it takes people understanding what everyone else brings to it. 
so you're not always going to get it right. But um, but when you do, boy, oh boy. Nothing feels better. Nope. <laughs> Nothing in this world. I just love what we finished with the idea of, you know, recognizing what you respond to and what you're passionate about. It connects back to what I was talking about at the beginning about being specific on your goals. Um, and there's another thing I wanted to make sure to talk about, which is, you know, the last episode, we I mentioned the farm was doing a fundraising campaign at the end of the year. And, you know, we hit our goal. It was successful, and I wanted to say thank you because none of this happens without people who support the farm and uh, really appreciate it. And it reminded me, you know, that not only do you have to make space for your goals, but you also have to ask, ask for help. Eric talked about it. You know, I don't think anybody achieves a goal without somebody helping them. And, you know, he had a friend who recommended him to an agent, a friend who got a voiceover, and it's true, you know, so for me, when I'm thinking about hitting the goal, it's like, yeah, I'm going to create that space for that goal to happen, but I also am going to ask people for help to get there, and, and when it happens, I want to say thank you, so, you know, thank you for supporting the farm, thank you for helping us reach our goal, thank you for listening to the podcast, and recommending it to people appreciate that and that is actually probably the most valuable thing for the podcast is letting other people know that it, if you think they would appreciate it and you know also going on to itunes and rating us and you know that five star rating it really does help people find us but all of that you know that's me asking for the help but it really is the support you've been giving and it's really grateful for that and i just want to remember is uh, the thing eric had talked about is uh you know, create the space for what you're passionate about, but then ask people for help. And when they give it to you and they show up and they do what you, you asked, whether the outcome happens or not, to be grateful and say thank you. And um, I am grateful and looking forward to a wonderful 2020. Looking forward to hearing about what your goals are, how you're going to create the space to make it happen. Uh, how, the help you're getting to get there and hearing about you getting there and the journey there because I believe we can all get there and uh, with that um, we are out